said I was ready and I didn't have my mic. But it's it's ready at a moment's notice. I'm always ready to podcast. I'm never longer than two and a half seconds and an arm reach away from podcasting. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so we are going to do the commissions today. Um, yep. Last year, we came up with our own top 10 list, synthesized it into a 13. On the fly, came up with the SFIM index, which is a standard of how big a surprise the podcast was to us in terms of, like, you know, if you ask us to do Goonies podcast, that's going to be a one mm-hmm. because we know exactly what we're getting into. If you ask us to do Un Profit, <laughs> uh, which we are not even sure how to pronounce, we're like, ah, and then we're like, oh, my God, this is an amazing movie. It's a five. Uh, and then there are weird movies like American Gangster where we should have heard of them. But we and, didn't. And by all rights, they should be excellent, but. It just wasn't on our radar. Right. Um, it, it just came as a surprise. There is the fun, which is a uh, an index of how fun the podcast was to record and presumably uh, uh, listen to. So that's the nostalgia factor. That's the yuck factor, like yuck, yuck factor. Uh, there's interest, which is essentially interesting. I don't know why I wrote it as interest, but that's uh, how interesting we thought the discussion was. And uh, that's a scale of like just vanilla all the way to like really highfalutin meditations about space time travel and AI technology uh, stuff that's personally interesting to us and which we presume would be interesting to the audience as well. And then finally, media quality. That is just a, that is just how good something is um, from a scale of one, which is it would be probably human centipede for me, although that's probably a three and a half for Jim. Uh, all the way to five, which is the best of everything. And and the other thing is, like, um, we rationalize it like five, it means you're on Mount Rushmore. That's not to say that, you know, Roosevelt is as good a president as Lincoln, but he's on Rushmore, right? So, you know, a movie, once it's at five, it's like it's, it's at a very high quality. Um, like a four is... Uh, you know, could could be like the very best or like a really good genre film, and then three is average, etc. You know how number systems works. Anyway, these are all one to five. We've gone ahead and uh, pre-scored uh, all these commissions that we saw last year, which were I don't know. We had like twenty six, twenty seven. I was shy. I was I put the surprise factor at six of how many podcasts we actually did because I felt like we did like three commissioned podcasts last year. Mm-hmm. We actually were very close to how many we did the year before. So. Ah, um, then then what we do? I think we just had a lot more commissions come in this year, so it felt like right. And we we, we also stop. We also cut them off because we got so far behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we we came up with a instead of uh, we decided to go ahead and do this as a as a as a committee, I guess, and and assign all these things and add them up and come up with a top ten again. Um, we're coming to the top ten because we don't want to. Uh, I would hate to, I would hate to be the commissioner that came in last, you know. Right. So essentially, this we're talking about the ones that Jim and I uh, uh, enjoyed the most, and since we enjoy the the vast majority of all the podcasts that we commission, like I hope no one's feelings are hurt that you didn't make the top ten because top ten is just a completely arbitrary and subjective uh, measure of, of how much we liked. Now we're also good. This is going to be a user category. By the time you're listening to these deliberations, uh, that, that vote, in fact, I need to get on that, that, that vote thing will already be out. Um, so we'll see what you guys have to say, but this is ours. This is Jim and I's in no particular order. We have star Trek two: the wrath of Khan, which, which scored 14. I had an interest of one 
Uh, I, I don't think I need to go through all these stats. It's on the screen. You guys can look at it. <laughs> Terminator oh, well, for the podcast people, they don't they don't get any of this. Uh, Terminator Two, Willy Wonka, American Gangster, Master and Commander, The Wicker Man, There Will Be Blood, Jackie Brown, Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, The Dark Knight. Oh, you're saying I should read this out because I'd say maybe the final score, like the combined okay. score. You're right. So Star Trek Two got a combined score of fourteen. Terminator 2 got 14.5. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory got 13.5, largely on its fun factor. American Gangster boasts a, a swole 16.5 because it's, if, you can, if you can surprise us with a fucking awesome movie, you, the world is your oyster. Uh, Master and Commander got a 16.5 because I rigged it. Uh, essentially, no. I, I let Jim score that, except for I, I, I heavily weighted the fun factor because of how much fun it was yeah. that to to do a podcast of my favorite movie. That one, one, this never happens. That I've got a favorite movie that Jim's never seen. And it was a lot of fun for me, so I, I might have put my thumb on the scale a bit there. Well, it wouldn't be nearly as much of a surprise for you. No, right. That's so the other thing. it, it kind of cheats in that regard. Right. Like if bit, it's a but... five for him and it's a one for me, then what? Right. Um, the Wicker Man got a 12.5. The Will Be Blood got 16, another hefty 16. Uh, Jackie Brown got 16 as well. Uh, uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi got 11.5 on the strengths of its uh, being Star Wars and us doing a live recording, which was fun. And The Dark Knight got 13.5. So, as last year, these scores are kind of a guide to get us to our final resolution but we are now going to to argue the case for these movies. Um, does anything jump out there? Yeah, as, as clear favorites. I mean, sure. I, Willy Wonka, I remember so fondly because of the discussion of Grandpa. Um, we, it, it was just such a good time. We and it became like one of those bald move things, right? Grandpa Joe, the ref got distracted by the audience, and we both tag teamed. He was already on his knees. We both brought metal chairs into the ring. Yeah, we put him back to bed. Jim flew off the top turnbuckle and gave him the people's elbow. It was it was it was a it was a raucous time. The crowd was counting along um, as his head was slammed repeatedly into the corner post, uh, and he did not. He, he uh, that 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 man man might have had a family. But uh, it didn't didn't, didn't uh, enter into how we treated him. It was a lot of fun. It's still yeah. a really funny podcast to listen to. Mm-hmm. So Willy Wonka is going to go it's, up there. It's akin to like the Goonies last year, which I think we ranked very highly because of how much fun it was. Sure. Um, and kind of like other other things be damned because it wasn't interesting, right? And I think the same is true yeah. of Willy Wonka. Like it's not that interesting. I don't think we talked too much. Although it did get higher than we thought because like we had done research and found about this the the fact that the I don't know, the Quaker Oats company commissioned this to be some kind of like wholesome family entertainment and then Gene Wilder's mm-hmm. a subversive influence and there's like some legitimately scary shit and mm-hmm. um Start or so we got the battle of the sequels: Star Trek Two and Terminator Two. Uh, Terminator is currently a half point higher on the interest scale because presumably we talked about killer robots and AI and time travel and paradoxes. Sure, which we for whatever reason that's that's catnip for us, so mm-hmm. we find it super interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, we had a lot of fun Shatner discussions. We had a lot of like, you know, there was that. I remember particularly the thing that made me laugh because I listened to a lot. I, I listened to a lot of the Commission podcast uh, in retrospect, mm-hmm. and the Ricardo Montalvan 
having his pecs described as raw chicken breasts. <laughs> uh huh. I mean, there's a there's a there's a lot of digs at old uh, old man Ricardo's pecs <laughs> and his his chewing of the scenery and sure. Um, but you know, I mean, both of these are these movies are are very similar. I think that's right. That Terminator is just slightly above it because of the it's slightly. God damn it. I went through the wrong thing. It's it's slightly more interesting because of the time travel aspect of it. Mm-hmm. If only uh, Kirk had slung shot around the sun and gone back to 1997 to the eugenics wars and killed Khan in his in his test tube crib, <laughs> it could have gotten that extra half point. <laughs> oh, okay. So American Gangster at yeah, 16.5. That was... That's got to go... To the top, it's, it's a top contender, certainly. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with moving it to the top for now. To, to the top, we okay, debate to it. The yeah. top. I was gonna say because, like, if we want to get in a little finer, uh, Master and Commander. Again, I feel like I have to recuse myself. To, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that should go toward the top as well. All right. Um, I remember that being both fun and interesting podcast, and and you know, just the movie being great and it being a big surprise for me. Uh, the Wicker Man is significantly. That was a fun, it was fun. fun. It was very. It's 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 pegged five on the fun scale. Yeah, because it's a crazy, crazy, very watchable Nicolas Cage movie. And also, I love that anytime we get to introduce the audience into the Nick Cage losing his shit YouTube clip, mm-hmm. you got to do it. Uh, but I don't. I think... feel like that trades more on how ridiculous the movie is yeah. rather than the podcast itself. And 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 I don't. I feel I feel fine with it being below the Terminator Two, Star Trek Twos. Okay, uh, it's scored accordingly. Uh, there will be this blood. One, this is the most amazing movie I saw last year. This might be the most amazing movie I've ever seen. So yeah, yeah. it it was. <laughs> it goes pretty high now. Now we can't let the podcast, like the commission category, be influenced by how good the movie is necessarily. Not all. That's why we have the four right. point scale. So. I mean, we're going to probably have to debate the top five here or something. Well, let's to, get to, to the top. Up. So yeah. Jackie Brown also boasting 16. Also very strong, yeah. I think it needs to go to the top. Um, and then we have uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. I think that even though it's a full point under the Wicker Man, I feel like it should go above the Wicker Man. Because here's the, I was, I'm amazed that we like I I I'd gotten a couple new thoughts out of Return of the Jedi because it's the first time I've like you know rewatched it with like my my half ass critic hat on. Uh, I, I feel like it should be over Star. I feel certainly over Wicker Man. I don't know about probably over Terminator and Star Trek, honestly. But it's not scored that way. Okay. Yeah. Because it's not int- it wasn't interesting. It wasn't a surprise at all. It wasn't. And there was no interesting well, conversation, need- right? <laughs> like- but, but if you look at Star Trek and Terminator, uh, it looks like they kicked Star Wars's ass in the, on the interest scale. Yeah. And also, Return of the Jedi is only a four on the quality. Okay, so maybe it goes just under, nestled under Star Trek, and then a Dark Knight. Um, hmm. I feel like the Dark Knight. Kind of needs- surprised it didn't get higher, but it's the surprise factor. Yeah, it's a surprise. You just really. can't. You can't win without a Again, surprise. this isn't about the movie. It's right. about the resulting podcast. And moreover, it's it's Gemini's distinct opinion about said said podcast. So yeah. I think it should go above... Should it go above Terminator? Should it go above... I mean, I don't think you can separate Terminator and Star Trek. They're like... That, that, that feels right that they're joined at the hip. I feel like that's... 
well, shit. Okay, so the conversation was definitely more interesting than either of those eight or nine. I mean, I think that's not controversial. I just but, moved, but it, I also I just moved like, it ahead of Star Wars and Wicker Man, but underneath Terminator 2 and Star Trek 2. And the other thing yeah, is, like... I mean, Star Wars was fun because it was a live audience. Yeah. And 6 through 10 doesn't really matter, so... Right. I don't know how much we I mean, want to sweat. I mean, 2 through 10 doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's not an honor to be nominated. It's bullshit to be nominated and Well, I think lose. we read the top five, though, so, like, that's, yeah. like, that's that's where, you know, I guess bragging rights begin and end. Um, okay. And I and I feel like there's a pretty big drop-off between Willy Wonka and the... I actually feel yeah, really good of, about the top five. None of the six through ten are crossing the threshold. Either. Yeah, no so. one... Yeah. Like, Willy Wonka is just too fucking fun, and the other four were just too fucking interesting and good. So... Yeah. Willy Wonka... God damn, I feel like Willy Wonka is a piece of bald move history in a way that so many of these others will not be. All right. Well, um, let's mean let's um will be blood better than Jackie Brown currently at number 1. I think so. Uh yes. Yes, definitely. Okay. So let's just let's do top down since we're we're at the cream already. Uh Master and Commander or Jackie Brown? Um Score says master and commander, but it's subjective. We don't we don't slavishly follow the final score when we're actually doing this. I think that's right with master and commander being above Jackie Brown. Okay, I agree, but then again, that's damn near my favorite <laughs> film. Right, uh, American. And I I would move four and five up to two, and I would call it good. Four and five up to two. Yeah. So replace two with those. Yep, that would be my list. There will be blood. American Gangster, three Willy Wonka, because four it, Master I, and Commander, five Jackie Brown. Last year Goonies was at three, right? Mm, let's let's check the tape. Well, <laughs> uh, Goonies, tape. yeah, Goonies did did. I, I and thought then we had Goonies two serious higher. choices at the top. That feels right to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just think you can't, like, there will be blood. I, I don't think the conversation was any less interesting than the conversation we had so with American Gangster. I, I felt like we didn't, we didn't really do the deep dive on the, the best ones because, so three, a surprise, so it was a... This this movie has been hailed as like one of the greatest movies of yeah, all time. Yeah, and, and 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 it came out. I don't I don't know when what year it was released, but I feel like I was a podcaster. I certainly was paying attention to good stuff. I just never got around to see it. It was a movie that I'd stocked away like a really good bottle of scotch for a special occasion. Commission podcast, someone paying me to watch it. But so I had and, and it's Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day Lewis, mm-hmm. like one of the the uh, one of the best directors that we have working with one of the probably the best living actors we have working. So I knew it was going to be good. It's yeah. actually impressive that it's a three mm-hmm. because it was so goddamn good. I, I put it immediately in like the Godfather category. This is a movie I know I'm going to watch a dozen or two times before I die mm-hmm. and probably get even like like. I mean, this was just my first first draft of of my impressions of the movie. This is something I'm going to continue to appreciate and 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 and, and enjoy at a deeper level. So, that three <laughs> is an amazing testament to the film. Right uh, to me, it reflects like I, I knew it was going to be amazing. I just didn't know it was going to be this amazing. And three point five maybe is a bit of a cheat on the fun, but I've mm-hmm. long held that intellectual stimulation is its own form of fun and. Mm-hmm. 
you know, ha- ha- being able to discover something that's so fresh and new and says so many interesting things about the human condition and um, the American, uniquely American condition, because this is all wrapped. Like, this is such a nexus of Wild West adventurism and f- frontier rough and tumble and unfettered capitalism and religion yeah. uh, and toxic forms of religion and, and all and in one little family bow. dynamics family, and, like and, and, and something that's just like a, a nice brisk. It's like this. It, it felt like it told eight hours of story in like two and a half. Yeah. And s- to yeah. call that movie brisk is hilarious, but you're right. It felt like it went by right. all too fast. Yeah. And also, uh, in what I feel is like the greatest tribute that I could possibly give to Daniel Day-Lewis, I got to become Daniel Day-Lewis for about three seconds. Uh, he yes. inhabited my, my mind, body, and soul, and I delivered perhaps my finest impression of all time. You, d- you did. Your, your milkshake <laughs> line, I think... I think By really just trying to go that, over the top ridiculous, but it actually... I ended up accidentally nailing it. When, when you said that, there was there, in a French cafe, <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis was sipping on a, a cappuccino or a, or an espresso, and his eyes rolled white back into his head. <laughs> and I think he you he spoke through your vocal cords, and he did, he's like, yeah. "What the what the hell just happened?" Uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. I was I was glad to be here in the studio for that. Uh, so, so for fun factor, that contributed for me. Four point five. I think everything we just said about the interests, like we are interested in politics, we're interested in, in religion, we're interested in transformational economics. Uh, like uh, this, this was just a relentlessly interesting thing. Little little Rubik's cube that you kept turning over and finding new colors and combinations. Uh, I thought, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it was like to listen to it. But um, for 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 the fans, but I I thought it was extremely interesting to talk about and media quality. Like I want to give it higher than five. I want to cheat the system. Here, yeah, honestly. like like, like if, if if this was a true score, six. it would be like just you know <laughs> it, 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 it it I'm I'm just holding down the five key. It 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 feels unfair to only yeah. rate this a five. I mean so. this is. Like you said, I this is uh, if, Godfather quality, right? Like it's the one of the all time greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Five hardly does it justice when you look at American Gangster, which is also great, but or or, or like Jackie Brown out of five, right? Yeah. Like great film. Yeah, but it's not one that is going to go down in the history of filmmaking. Yeah, all that's funny because all films in our top five, other than Willy Wonka. Are a five. I don't think yeah. that happened last year. Pontypool four, Magnolia huh. five, Goonies five, Once Were Warriors four, A yeah. Prophet five. So I guess we had overall better, higher media quality. I guess so. But yeah. who, you know, whatever. Um, so that's where. And this, in contrast, American Gangster, which was a surprise of five. Now people, because I'd heard of American Gangster and I knew it starred Denzel Washington. I guess I didn't know it was helmed by Ridley Scott. Yeah, I mean, and I just also I didn't know like I didn't know about the Russell Crowe cops and robbers angle. I didn't know like how deep that bench went. Like Idris Elba, probably in one of his very first movie roles, mm, uh, could be has a very minor but important role. Like there's just it's 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 star studded, and yeah. uh, it was and also wasn't um uh is it Josh Brolin? Josh Brolin played like the evil cop. The 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 other side of Jersey Cop, or I think so. I mean, it, it, yes. it has an impressive yes. cast. It's a period piece, which I'm always a sucker for. Like anytime they can transport me believably back into 
like this is a Vietnam era flick. This is, it actually explains how uh you know the Denzel Washington character wrested control of the drug trade from the Italian mob by virtue of his you know golden triangle yeah connection and and how he got drugs into the com- uh, into the country smuggling I mean it reports differ but he was using the transport of bodies of of troops slain troops from Vietnam to get to get his cocaine in mm-hmm. um and it was like I said I I knew it was uh, it, it I I didn't even know what the movie's rep is I just knew of the movie and yeah. when it came on I, I didn't know it was going to be the black godfather right and and even then like I feel like that smacks of tokenism like that's like mm-hmm. saying that like the godfather is the I don't know we can call there will be blood the godfather of oil how about that yeah like yeah i mean it's just like i'm, I'm it's it's more of um it's more of a qualitative but also it's it yeah. is a lot like cuz you've got the same kind of like this powerful figure at the it's a center of a family you've got like you know some of those members of the family not as sharp as some of the others uh-huh. uh hilar- hilarity but they still want to be included yeah, yeah. got to help them out and their family what are you <laughs> right. going to do you might want to drop them off the end of a boat but uh their family so I, I the surprise was very high, even though maybe it, that was a sneak attack and it shouldn't have been. We should have had our guard up. Yeah, I knew almost nothing about it other than the actors, and that doesn't tell me that the story is going to engage me. But yeah. damn, it sure did. Fun? I don't think it was a particularly fun podcast. No. Um, it, it it got a two point five on that four. It was interesting because we do like to talk about. I, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, I like to talk about uh, the drug trade mm-hmm. and impact of the war on drugs on. American culture and uh, politics and respect for the rule of law and all that. And I thought the movie did a pretty good job of, of touching on that. And I thought the podcast was resulting interesting. And then the media quality five, uh, it's a really, really great. When I say Godfather and like it, even into the, like the film stock they used and the way things are lit and like the, 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 the fact you can see the textures of the fabrics and stuff that, you know, when, when uh, Denzel comes rocking a chinchilla, jacket with matching hat like you can see the individual hairs like it's it's a really great looking film he should have known better he did know better he He knew better he got sloppy he he played himself yep uh but it's it's a great film it's a great film it's probably my favorite ridley scott film now Hmm. i mean i i don't know what uh it's great it is Willy Wonka. I think we talked about it. The surprise. I had only seen it once before, and I remember being so shocked at some of the crazy shit that was going on and how un- against expectations I, I found the film. Um, and I saw it years later as a bald move commission, and I was able to enjoy the colors and some of the music and the performances a lot more. So it's a might. It got a. It got a like a 1.5 to signify that it, it, it surprised me a little bit. But you grew up on this film, right? Yeah, I mean, I've seen this movie on TV many times, just as, you know, rerun kind of stuff. But um, so it wasn't super surprising to me. I knew what yeah. I was in, what was in store for me, especially as when it comes to, like, Gene Wilder yeah. and his performance. Uh, damn. Damn, it's good. But, yeah, it wasn't a surprise. It boasts a five on fun because of Grandpa Joe and his Coke nails and, and just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Grandpa Joe's well-worn. He's Grifton. I mean, yeah, he, he is. is. Yeah. Yeah, Grifton Joe. Uh, and then we've got, yeah, you got a golden ticket, you asshole. Uh, interest three, 
like I said, there was it wasn't an uninteresting podcast, but it's it's mm-hmm. slightly above average on interest. And then Media Quality Four. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of the very best children's films, family films, and 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 as as that genre, it get as one of the best of the genre. But it is a little dated. It is a little sure. dated. Yeah. Um, Master and Commander. I think we we did we talked about that. Um, so. You kind of scored this category yourself. Explain why I got a four on surprise because well, I've spoken kind of very highly me. of it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I knew it was one of your favorite films, but honestly, like the subject matter, I didn't think I would find it as interesting as I ended up finding it, um, and, and just how well it was done. Because when I'm when I see these things, I'm used to kind of uh, shaky filmmaking, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, and the fact that this movie. I guess was a, a way bigger budget than anything that had come before it in this genre. They spent hundreds of millions. I mean, right. they, they 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 bought a replica of an 18th century frigate. Mm-hmm. They they remade it to look exactly like the historical b- boat that the surprise is based on, and then they fucking transported it to the Pacific. Not the Pacific. They 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 put it in the Galapagos Islands and sailed it around and 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 real life. Yeah. Like, yeah. how much more real can you get than that? Right. So I, I was surprised by that, and I was surprised by, I, I guess, the story itself. I, I was not expecting... It, I was expecting something more akin to, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, mm. which would have been a, an unfortunate shame, but uh, what I got was much better. So No, the whole story even revolves... I, I had heard about it. ...revolves around the unique relationship between the captain and the, the doctor, yeah. the scientist figure. And, and kind of this antagonistic thing between... Uh, is it Aubrey? Yeah. And this other French captain, right? Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Where, like, you kind of get a little cat and mouse game, which was thoroughly interesting to me. Yeah. And and real, like, real naval... That's the thing about Patrick O'Brien, who's the, the author of the 20-book series that I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, he essentially plundered captain's logs uh, from the British Navy at the time and actually used their action reports and and, and fictionalized real battles. So you these ta- tactics huh. and techniques, these these uh, these ruse de guerres, as they call them, the 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 you know the tricks of war where they try to fool each other and, and get the advantage. And that's the other thing is like it felt very like these guys are on even very even footing. Like Jack sometimes gets his ass handed to him. Uh-huh. Ultimately, he's victorious with an asterisk. Um, <laughs> and the other thing I, I thought, just as an aside, like one of the gratifying things for me is how many Bald Move fans uh, on the forums and, and emailed me that had been turned on to the series as a result of the, the podcast. Mm, yeah, like, the Jesus, how much, how much more fulfilling do you want for that? Uh, I was, I mean, if I was going to, I would ch- chalk in a bit of surprise there too because I was worried for the same reasons. Like Jim's not known for his love of historical fiction. Sure. Uh, and I guess I'm not either. It's not like I read lots of historical fiction. This is just really good shit. So yeah. uh, three point five on the fun. I think that's where I might have. I think you influenced this a little bit because I just I <laughs> just I was so giddy that you liked the film, right. and I was able to you know turn on a bunch of bald move listeners to this this uh, this this classic movie, great movie, and uh, an, an even better book series. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's like. It's it was a unique pleasure too because I can't think of like 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 name something that's like one of my very favorite things in media that you've never seen or even heard right. of. 
Like the Princess Bride was like a long joke, but like even then, because of our friend circle, everything and, yeah, about it, like there's no surprise. But yeah. like, I mean, is there anything? Do you have anything tucked away like that for me? Like this is one of my very favorite things, and it's not even on Aaron's radar. I'd have to think about that. I'm. I don't. It's like I, don't I mean, know. when you know someone for twenty plus years, that yeah. opportunity. To all that just, shit comes out. Like, right. Right. I've told you about all the things I really love. Right. Right. Uh, uh, it was. It was interesting just talking about like finding out facts like you just mentioned uh, how it was you know based on the naval logs of the of the British Navy at the time. Like that's super interesting to me. Um, kind of just the the interest factor of how this film was made. You know. Right. They they. So they built like a scale replica, or they built an actual like full size replica, and also had a ship. Is that right? They, they know the full. So there, there's an HMS Rose, which a company in the '80s built a, a scale 28 gun frigate for uh-huh. some other bullshit rich guy. So reason. it was scale. It wasn't full size. No, it's it's a full size. It's 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 actually oh, a full one to one size. Scale. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, when I say scale replica, I just meant like it's a one to one scale replica. Gotcha. And then what they did is they bought that and oh, then okay. they dressed it up. They put you know they 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 made it to be accurate to the HMS Surprise. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is like. Um, you can still see, I think it's in San Diego, the HMS Surprise is docked there, huh. and it occasionally goes and, and sta- sails to this day. So they've left it into the, the, the Surprise's trim. Um, gotcha. But I just I just think what is cool about this is how much detail they get into the life of sailing that's yeah. just on the screen. Like the opening scenes of the... Uh, master, uh, the master arms creeping through and waking up the sailors, and you see like there's cows on board because you need fresh milk, and and when they're if they go off their milk, you need fresh fresh meat, and yeah. it's just like how like this, you know, you're just on this little wooden world with 200 other people, and you're sleeping ass to ass from these hammocks, and like what a what a life that must have been, yeah. And and you're you're bored like a lot of these like there's like five and six year old boys running around and there's eleven year olds that 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 be, that that have to lead the ship every once in a while and that's incredible to me the fact that my son could be a midshipman that would occasionally take command of a boarding party or I mean that's crazy uh, and then it's a great film it's a great so. film so yeah. it's a, it's five on that and then Jackie Brown we gave it a four because because I. I didn't think I could like a Quentin Tarantino movie nearly as much as Pulp Fiction. Like, yeah. I, I, it's better than Reservoir Dogs, in my opinion. Right. And it's a movie that I had never seen. And I, I had heard, like, mixed opinions, I guess, on uh-huh. Jackie Brown. Some people say it's, oh, it's my favorite Quentin right. Tarantino. Some people say, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't even bother with it. And so to come into it and go, hey, this might be the second best Quentin Tarantino movie I've ever seen. Right, that was a big surprise for me. And I would all yeah, like I don't, I don't know where I got because like you got to understand that most of Twinton's, well, most of Twinton's, Twinton's, most of Quentin's catalog came out where I was a Jehovah's Witness, and it just the right. idea of seeing that was like like as realistic as going to the moon. So, but I, I'd hear you know I still kept up with Roger Ebert and stuff, and and I remember the discussion around like that this is maybe more of a lightweight film, mm-hmm. like it's more of like well this is Quentin's love letter to black exploitation films, and and like he never thought like Pam Greer ever got her due, so he cast her, and Man, and I just feel so like and I, I don't know if that's an accurate representation of the movie's rep, rep, but that's what I can't drug into the movie, and when like you said. Quite possibly, I'd have to think about it more because yeah, it's hard for me to separate the movies that Quentin makes that are just 
excellent like mm-hmm. pulp fiction from the movies that are like Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained. Those are also very good films, but they're also just relentlessly entertaining. Like, do you want to see a former slave uh, dis- just utterly destroyed the worst, shittiest slave plantation in, in America before the Civil War? Yeah, you do. And and I'm going to show it to you. Do you want to see a bunch hmm. of Jewish commandos? It's almost like those are wish fulfillment in a weird way yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you want to see a bunch of young Jewish commandos just in the Third Reich uh-huh. uh, by, by, by shooting Hitler's face off? Yeah. Yeah, you you do. If you're a right thinking huh. person, you do. But but are they as good as like Jackie Brown and Pulp Fiction? I I don't know. But Jackie Brown is a fucking great possibly. Film. Yeah, so it is. Then it got a three on fun because I mean any movie that's got uh, Robert De Niro and uh, Sam Jackson is going to be a certain baseline fun. But it wasn't like you know Grandpa Joe getting getting a lead pipe taken to him right uh interest you know you got you got drugs and crime and money and 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 tarantino like i mean part of the interesting conversation we had was tarantino as a director yeah um and it's a conversation we have time and time again every time we see a new tarantino film you have to discuss it right you have to say what what are the influences that this guy is working with um how do they factor into this film and where does that place it within you know this this really great director's catalog and there's a whole there's this sequence that jumps out at me like there's a pretty there's a pretty twisty plot yeah and immediately after the sam jackson character essentially thinks on camera for 90 seconds he's like and you can see him going back and thinking through and coming up with some right conclusions some wrong conclusions and it's just kind of a tour de force Mm -hmm. like i don't know what you how you write that in script like samuel jackson thinks for 60 seconds and the camera zooms in on his face yeah it's like sh- be- picking out details like that and enjoying them i think are inherently interesting and in media quality we just said it might be the second best film quentin tarantino's made in his story career sure you know Dadoy, it's a it's a five <laughs> yeah uh and that's the top five i feel good about that top five i i think they're Willy Wonka's clearly Grandpa Joeing its way to the number three spot, which I am totally I'm, fine with. I'm, that. I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, so, yeah, there you go, Commission Podcast. Um, do I take a break here, or shall we keep rolling? Keep rolling. I don't even know what the next category I is. I don't either. I think we're gonna have to. I think unfortunately we're gonna have to scroll up unless we want to do. Uh, doc- I mean, documentaries. Documentaries is pretty much a shit show. Whoa, whoa. Get that out of here. All right, we already did. So yeah, we've uh, documentaries. Um, are we ranking these? Are we just are we? I don't know. So I saw one, two, three, three of these that I don't even think came out this year or last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that this is even a category. <sighs> Well, to me, you saw Vietnam War, and I think that's why you created this category. Oh, I also saw. I also saw. Um, I also saw the Keepers, which was a a grueling documentary about this uh, abuse scandal within the Catholic Church hmm. and murder. It, it like it led to murders and things. It, it was a very in the mold of making a murderer. Very sad. Very depressing. Um, but kind of uplifting too in the way this community banded together and and, and kept after this and 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 kept seeking uh, justice for for the victims and the victims themselves. How like un 
incredible cruelty inflicted at the hands of these people that they respected, admired, and and have overcome, and and uh, you know have had families and 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 lived full lives. Um, and the Vietnam War is a fucking great documentary, and also get me Roger Stone. Um, Roger Stone is a Republican operative that has a tattoo of Richard Nixon on his back. That's weird. Uh, presumably, in case he gets sent to prison, I I I, I, I don't know, but he's a uh, he's an interesting character and a study of what's of, of of a lot of things wrong in a in in American politics and uh a de- and, and a, and a de- depressing film that I watched last year. Um, leading up to oh, I've to, seen five of these. Yeah, so I think we right. both like we, we it's split. Pr- oh yeah, you've you've seen more than me because I've seen Vietnam War, the uh, the Keepers, and and Get Me Roger Stone. We've got yeah. Dwarven Knots. That sounded very interesting. I kind of yeah, want to see that. that. That's um, so the the guys who do Dwarf Dwarven Dwarven Forge. Forge, yes. Um, the 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 guy I guess who created that company. Um, it's a documentary about how he started it and kind of where it was going up until the point where I think they were like building a studio mm-hmm. that they were going to start doing a lot of um, like video stuff out of for their Kickstarter, which they were trying to do a new campaign for uh, the latest round of, of models. Um, and if you don't know, Dwarven for Dwarven Forge is like 3d tiles for like war games yeah. um, or like Dungeons and Dragons type yeah, yeah, yeah. tabletop stuff. Uh, and they're and they're exquisite. Like and they're, one of my, they're beautiful. Yeah. One of my favorite things in uh, going to any nerd con, like a Gen Con or something, is the Dwarven Forge booth because it's yeah. the stuff just is so elegant and it fits together. It's modular. And they always set up a really awesome, massive display. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and there's like cave sets. There's village sets. There's all kinds of dungeon sets. There's all kinds of different things, and it's actually fairly affordable too for what it yeah. is. Not bad. Um, but so, yeah, yeah, it's a look inside that company and a look at the the guy who created the company. who's a little weird, a little eccentric. Um, I think you kind of have to be, yeah, to get into that line of work. Yeah, that's a that's a subset of a subset of a subset. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and kind of the struggles that he's had, you know, building a company that he views as uh, not evil. I guess. Um, so, that was really cool. I'm your father is a David that, Prowse documentary. Okay. Um, the guy who. Was in the suit for Darth Vader, who they never let take off the helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they recast him for the scene where Darth Vader removes his helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just kind of like a discussion with him about his experience being Darth Vader. And it's it sort of gets did, pretty did, did, deep on the relationship he had with the crew. And, I was, did they ever talk about his kind of troubled relationship of late with yeah, Lucas? Because Lucas kind of shut him out in the way that like he never did um, uh, Chewbacca, uh, who is... What's Chewbacca's name? Peter Mayhew. Peter P. Yeah. Peter Mayhew, and I, I, and I, I don't, I, I never, I never was close enough to the fandom at that to understand exactly why. Was he like, a, was Lucas see him as a fame hound, or did he want to get more money than he Lucas thought he was worth, or? Uh, it's, it's hard to tell. I, I think they, they either just didn't like his look for it or something, or did a, they didn't did like his voice, belly, or. No, I'm not no, talking about. He doesn't have a pot belly. I'm He's talking a about when, when the, during the prequels, like that wasn't David Prowse in the Darth Vader oh, suit in, in the like episode three. Uh, I don't think so. No, uh-huh. not 
I'm not entirely sure. And he wasn't sure like was invited in to a lot of Star Wars celebrations. No, he had cut ties. Like he, th- there's a very rocky relationship that he has with the production. Because I agree, I, I've heard that. David Prowse's voice uh, on the set, and some, and I, I, yeah, that's not my Darth Vader. Right, James Earl Jones every day, all day for Darth Vader's voice, but. You yeah. got to give like a lot of the physical physicality, the hulking presence of Darth Vader is David yeah. Prowse. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a bodybuilder. He's a yeah. he's a beast, and that that physicality is what made a lot of the you know Darth Vader so menacing and thrilling. Yeah, it's kind of the documentaries hung on this framework of we want to give David Prowse his due, basically. Mm-hmm. So we're going to recreate the scene. Where Darth Vader takes his helmet off, except we're going to do it as as accurately as possible, one for one recreation of it with David Prowse mm. thirty years later. Nice, yeah. So it, it's kind of interesting. And then like the trouble they have legally with showing that they can't uh, actually ever show you that scene in the movie. Seriously? They did a live screening of it because that was all they were allowed to do. And yeah, why would Lucas keep you from doing that? I just don't fucking know, man. But they they just didn't let him do it. Um, but it's. It's pretty interesting. Like, if you want behind-the-scenes stuff on Star Wars, that's a pretty good one. Uh, Kill Switch. Kill Switch is some computer technology hacking thing. I don't know. It wasn't... It wasn't interesting enough for me to remember it, so... All right. Honest Liar. Uh, Honest Liar is a James Randi documentary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All about... So... James Randi is is one of the most important fathers of the modern skeptic movement. He's actually the one... I, I, I credit James Randi with getting uh, is in a large part of getting out of the cult because I remember one of the lightning bolts that first went through my my brain as a 13 year old because I I love James Randi I love mm-hmm. the fact that he debunks psychics and you yeah. know he's just rack because the rationality is always kind of even as I was in a fucking fundamentalist cult always appealed to me mm-hmm. and I remember reading his book Flim Flam yeah. I still have a copy on my bookshelf and there's like on like halfway through the book he has like a uh, a three paragraph aside about the Jehovah's Witnesses offshoot of the Millerites and how many times their prophecies have he like documents in a brisk, devastating three paragraph. And that's the very first time I can remember hearing an outside criticism of my religion. And huh. if I'd known that was in the book, I never would have read it. Right. But it's like one of those right. things where it's like found the chink in my armor and got me. <laughs> you, if you're a reader, it's it's hard to be a Jehovah's Witness and be well read uh-huh. because they don't go well together. No, they discourage that. Yeah, they they, they, they actually do. Yeah, uh, but this is about, um, I guess, his life as a skeptic um, and also his life as a gay man because James Randi's gay. Yeah, yeah, he's oh, had shit. like a a years and years long. Um, when did he come out with, of the closet? Because I can't believe I didn't I know that. I I don't know if he like it's weird. He's obviously out of the closet. Like people know this. It's documented on in a documentary about him. But I don't recall ever hearing like, "Oh, James Randi is gay." So he never that, came. He just kind I don't of think like, he made like an announcement. I think he just he lived slowly his life. phased out of the closet. Like 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 he right right. You know, or he never he gave a shit. Shifted. Like or, yeah, he wasn't really true. in the closet, but he never made a big deal about it. Right. But he he's lived with a man for like twenty years, and this guy is apparently not a legal immigrant exactly. Mm. Um. So there was like this battle for deportation around him, and and like, can we get him a green card? And like, all of that is documented in the thing, and it's a very, um, I guess I guess it's as honest as you can get while interviewing a man who's going to spin it his way. Uh, but it's a very honest look at right. 
this liar. You well, know, he started, he started off as a magician. I just mean like ice showing up at his door. It's like, where's your green card? Oh, you mean this green card? And like, <laughs> oh, where is and he's it? He's like, oh, oh, here's my boyfriend. Oh, he's behind the sheet. And oh my god, he's gone. He must have gone back to his home country. Right. <laughs> like good and good luck keeping him in chains. Right. Like he can hang upside down in, in a tank of water and six chains, and he'll be out. Like fuck you, right. fuck you, trying to bring James Randy to justice. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but it's a really, it's a really, um, I don't know, at times heart wrenching and at times hilarious documentary because well, he's a very funny man. I've got like three, three uh, documentaries to see on my list. Uh, you've seen Life Itself, right? That's the Roger Ebert documentary. I have leading not. up to his death. That's one I've been kind of saving away for a rainy oh, day, man. which I haven't gotten in like that's a year. Another really, really good one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that would be. Uh, both sad and uplifting, because mm-hmm. that's how the final years of his life were. Yeah, that's exactly the tone. Like, I love the I fact that Re- Ebert kept working up until his death and wrote some incredibly poignant things that, as a as a former devout Christian who had an everlasting hope in a, in a resurrection, uh, who then found himself cast on the cold shores of atheism with, uh, you know, maybe 70 to 80 years and that's it. His talking about dealing with death and how he views it and that transition and whether he's afraid uh, really, really helped me kind of get to uh, a handle on my own mortality. Yeah. And I'll be forever in his debt for that. No, it's a it's a great documentary on that. I don't want to say too much about it. But, uh, yeah, if you're interested in Roger Ebert at all and, and his whole situation with his battle with cancer, I think that's a, a good one. Do we score these? Do we rank these? I don't know, man, because I haven't seen any of the ones you watched. You haven't seen the ones I watched. Right. And they're not insignificant. Like, the Vietnam War is a good right. 15 to 16-hour commitment. I don't I don't think I can do that right now. No. But it's because it's the pitch for the Vietnam War is if you can go in there without any kind of ideological – I mean, I, I, how can you do that? Um, if you can – so what I, th- what I appreciate it is it, it it highlights a lot of problems with his his you know like deified uh, uh, democratic institutions let's say like the mm-hmm. Kennedys everybody mm-hmm. fucking loves the Kennedys if you're a Democrat right the, the, mm-hmm. they fucked up in Vietnam sure multiple multiple U S U S administrations Republican and Democrat fucked up Vietnam War and lied the entire way. They had a strategy that they personally wanted to pursue, and they lied to the American public with facts to to keep the American public supporting that, and took advantage of the American public's patriotism and willing to fight and die for their country's best interests in a in a losing war. And it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And they do interviews with surviving members of the Vietnam, the Viet Cong, and the, the 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 civilian and military structures over there. And they do interviews with American soldiers and surviving diplomats and politicians. And it's just a really honest, three hundred sixty degree look of how we got in that situation. I think it's if you can't take a look back fifty years and see and learn from failures and successes, then you're never, ever going to be able to separate yourself from the day-to-day bullshit. Sure. And, and and I think it's something that we all as Americans should do. Um, so, yeah, I think that's... Uh, that's a great. That's a great documentary. It's the one that I would recommend people watch above uh, all others. And it's yeah, it's fifteen hours, but it's it's a pretty brisk one. It's I think it's free to stream on PBS's site, and you can see there's oh. a broadcast version, and then there's the unrated version. The unrated version is the way to go. Um, 
because they, it's it's got they say a, fuck a lot. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, soldiers they 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 talk they talk rough and ready, and this also at the the footage is different, huh? Um, you know, Probably if you want to see if you want to get the real horrors of war, and because yeah. uh, there's just just hours and hours of actual combat footage from the actual battles they're talking about it's fucking crazy i've never seen anything like it i I, it it inspired me i want to go and see a lot of the ken burns documentaries because i haven't seen a one Uh, i've seen a little bit of the civil war i want to see the civil war i want to see his uh you know he did one on the americans parks and monuments like i um i think he did one on baseball that i probably won't watch Hmm. but i kind of want to because i really respect this process here so there um what of the like what if do you want to stump for a uh, I feel like maybe the award show we should like both pick one that we think people would watch should should or would enjoy watching. Yeah, mine's I, the Vietnam War. I, I think Life itself is probably the best one that I watched. Man, it sounds like the uh, Honest, Honest Liar, Liar is good too. Uh, right, it's it's honestly between those two. The other ones are just kind of fun. You know what? Those. I'll give you. A, let's let's do a top. Let's do a top. <laughs> th- let's do a top three on that. Okay, because I I think you can probably describe life itself an honest liar, and the time I think it takes life me to talk about the Vietnam War. Yeah, life itself is is generally more appealing. I think mm-hmm. um, honest liar. If you're a fan of James Randi at all, then yeah, that's a great documentary. That's a good way to look at it. Okay, uh, let us. Do you want to keep rolling, or should we stop here? You seem to really want to stop. What? No, I, I'm I'm not meaning stop, stop. I'm meaning I like stop the film the, and yeah, move on to the next. Scene. You got you got you got the, you're you're going to be the one that edits the video together. That's all I'm I'm trying to make yeah, life it's fine. easier for Unless you. Edit in chunks. We're good. Uh, so we got we already did the drama, did we not? Yeah, we got the drama into the place that we're we need to take it to this next phase. Oh, comedy, comedy's how tough. I, how I hate the comedy's uh, tough. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Comedy's tough, and ranking comedies is tough. Um, Especially when I haven't watched most of them this there's, year. There's only one. There's only one one that I really would like for you to sample, which is Lady Dynamite. It won't even be the season that's that's relevant, right? Um, but so what the hell? I, yeah. I'm gonna have no argument for or against this year of Lady Dynamite. Shall we go just top to bottom and just 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 talk about? Uh, sure. And then we could probably throw them. I'm going to let you Cause like largely Michael, Michael control Bol- like, so the Michael voting. Michael Bolton's Big Sexy Valentine, is that is that going to get in the top ten or even the top five? Uh, I I can't imagine it will. Okay. It's it's a one-off, you know, like, um, is it like funny? Andy Samberg. Yeah, it's very funny. Is it? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to throw it in the bottom. And, and um... I mean, it's everything, like, that you think about Michael Bolton, except Michael Bolton is telling you those jokes. Mm. And... And they're they're running with those things in a in a way that makes them extra funny. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Should we go top, bottom, bottom, top? I don't know. I don't know how to do comedy. I don't know. Um, like I said, I'm going to let you vote on like what is the the top stuff here because nothing I watched was was in contention for the top comedies of the year. I don't think. Okay, last week tonight, John Oliver, I think, should go to towards the top. I mean, John Oliver is it's, always good because yeah. of how important that show is in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, Dear White People is an interesting case because I feel like you have to... This is like uh, 200 or 300 studies on on racial relations. Like, if you come in off the street with, like, Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, this is just going to piss you off. Okay. If you grasp the nuance of what folks are trying to get at when they say Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. as in, you know... 
uh, then then maybe you can watch this. And it's 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 about a a young young woman uh, in a historically host? black college that is hosting a radio show. And after oh, no, it's not a black college. Uh, it's a black fraternity. After in a fairly like like a so a lot of these the other thing about a lot of these black folks is they're upper middle class at least. Right. Which is something else that the show kind of deals about, like okay. black intellectualism versus because you know that's here. Here's another thing: um, black people all, don't all think the, the same things. They all have yeah, the same values shocker. and yeah. cultures and backgrounds. No, it's amazing, but they're as mm. different as you and me. Never would have guessed. <laughs> but um, the, the the thing that started incident, incident is the the white frat sh- essentially has a a blackface Halloween party. And of she course. gets on the air and she says, you know, she starts this air, the, the show with, like, dear white people. And she, like, you know, takes takes a bell bat to it. And then that – there's a lot of interesting things. There's a, there's, the, there's, a, there's a very closet young gay black nerd um, that is, like, involved with, like, a campus leak that caused all this stuff. That she's – she is um, kind of polemic about dating white boys, but she's also dating a white boy. On the side, and uh, there's like black Republicans. Uh, like it, it's like it's like I said, if you're ready for a 200 series, uh, you might you might learn something. But like if you go in there at the wrong frame of mind, it's just gonna fucking backfire. So uh, yeah, yeah. it's also not particularly funny. No, it, it it's hmm. it's very satirical and like it's very sharp in its wit. Um, but it's not like ha ha. Or at least I didn't think it was. Um, so I don't know what to do with it. Do you think it's going to make top ten? No, for you, or top five rather for you? No, I don't. No, okay. um, Silicon Valley. I don't think. Either. I, I thought this was an off year for Silicon Valley. Yeah, definitely not the best year of Silicon Valley. Um, honestly, I have a hard time remembering much of Silicon Valley season four. I did a so. podcast with Jason Shankle where we talked about the fact that this was the year where Richard began the 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 face to heel turn. Mm-hmm. He becomes kind of like the villain of the show, which yep. is kind of something that has been brewing for a long time. Like the the disparity between Richard's talk and Richard's walk has long been a problem for uh Pied Piper, but but the show in general and this year it's like they tried to do that, but it I, I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't know. So there was the something year of missing. Internet too, I guess. Yeah, like where Richard kind of, I guess, severs ties with Pied Piper and goes off and does his own thing again. Which the Internet two stuff worked better than I thought it would. I thought that yeah. was going to be the first time where like, well, that's just a stupid eyed technology. No, but his pairing with Gavin made a lot of like yeah. twisted sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, now Tour de Pharmacy. Tour de Pharmacy is great. So this is another Andy Samberg along the lines of Seven Days in Hell. Yep. It's essentially the exact same team running this stuff back. And, yeah. about, and this time it's a bike race. So. And it's it's obviously the Tour de France. Uh-huh. And it's famous, uh, you know, it, it's it's famous. Uh, it's famously corrupt and right. drugged out of its mind, doping all over the place. Uh-huh. And this is a, a look at like the like like I think did every major winner get disqualified? I think so. Yeah. Uh, and everybody who finished the race ended up yeah. getting disqualified or something. Yeah. And the guy who didn't finish the race or finished like way back in the pack ended yeah. up winning it. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of like the thing the hallmark of this show like Seven Days in Hell is hilarious male nudity. Yeah. 
there's this this scene of this guy who gets flung around by John Cena, I think, <laughs> fully naked. It's just it's just funny. It's funny, man. It sure is. Dicks and balls are funny. It's like yeah. it's like it's like the genitalia equivalent of wearing like one of those nose and glasses and mustache things anyway. Uh-huh. And it's yeah, that's like I, I still giggle when I think about that scene. So it's pretty funny. I think it should go. I think it should go. I'm going to throw it up a top and we'll see what we do with it. Mr. Science Theater 3000. Hmm, um, the return, yeah. Has some terrible, uneven riffs, but it also has a, like a top 10 Pantheon Italian uh, Hercules uh, episode. And, hmm. I, but I don't, I don't know. It's, it's more like, I, I guess I think overall it's average. I'm going to throw it like right in, like at number six. We'll see what happens. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Unbreakable- I didn't see this season of it. Yeah, I mean, the thing I remember I like is season one. There's a really funny rift of um, oh, who's the 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 gay man that's a frustrated Broadway Titus? performer. Titus yeah. does a shot for shot remake of Beyonce's Lemonade videos oh, as he goes through a breakup with his lover. Uh-huh. That is some of the funniest fucking shit that I've ever seen. And I actually really I, I thought in the first season that that character was fairly one note, mm. but they continue to give him very interesting stuff to do like shot for shot remakes of the Beyonce lemonade videos. Mm. Um, but it's one of those things that suffers from it's great and I have a good time watching it, but I'm never excited to watch it. It's like Brooklyn nine, nine, like Cecily likes it. And I just, it's, it's not, it's not fucked up enough (laughs) to register with me. Huh? Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. It is a very sunny show. Yeah. It's always and it, sunny. And that's and the thing. Like I don't, I don't grudge it. I don't, and, I, and every time I watch it, it's, a, it's I'm having a good time. I just, it's not yeah. something I seek out. Um, okay. Okay. Rick and Morty season two. It needs to go up. It season needs to three. Go up. Season three needs yeah. to go up. Um, right. I'd like to argue about that a little bit. It was very good. Yeah. Uh, BoJack Horseman season four. I didn't see this. Was wait. You skipped Always Sunny. Always Sunny. Oh, Always Sunny needs to go way up because I think this was the best season they've had and probably. Four four years. Wow. Okay. Um, it is it, it is it is really good. Um, American Vandal needs okay. Bojack Horseman and American Vandal need to go way to the top. Yeah, American I'll, Vandal. I'll argue about them later. Uh, where does uh, so where does Glow fit in here? Glow, I, I would say, is not as funny as a lot of these shows on the list. Um, is it better than Last Week Tonight? It's just a good show. Uh. And I, I, I mean, it's better not, is a it's loaded not as term. funny as last week tonight, and it's not as important as last week tonight. All right, so no, so it's stuck there. Um, man, Mystery Science Theater already got busted so down we, to twelve. Can we just right now take series of unfortunate events, put it at the the goddamn bottom of this list? Yeah, I that was did mis- not like that. That, show. that was a misguided effort all around. How did yeah? How did that happen? I deleted something and the numbering didn't change. I think Lady I'm Dynamite. Ac- I think you're on that. Yeah, but I think I accidentally, I accidentally cut and pay i don't know it'll all shake out lady dynamite i'm gonna take it to the top because that was i think my favorite comedy this year mm-hmm. season two santa clarita diet do you want to tell the listeners about that i have i have fun with that show um and there are moments where i think it's pretty hilarious it, but it's a zombie it's a zombie show where drew barrymore is turning into a zombie slowly and Tim, she's timothy oliphant is her long-suffering husband she's desiring more and more human flesh and timothy oliphant has to find a way to deliver it 
um, without getting the family caught. And they live next door to a cop. And uh-huh. it's well, they lived next door to a cop. It's, and the, it's, it's the Americans of zombie shows, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, my here's my review: way too much Drew Barrymore, yes. not nearly enough Timothy Oliphant. Yes, Timothy Oliphant. I don't normally get to see him be. Fu- I mean, he, Raylan Givens is a funny character in Justified. Uh-huh. But not like a comedic character. He's droll. Right. But also badass. And this is much more broad. Like, yeah. the, the comedy in this is pretty broad. I, I yeah. don't recommend it for everyone. I have fun with it in a very similar way to, like, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's not making me laugh out loud, but there's something I like about it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Girls. Girl. Hold on a second. <laughs> All right. Girls. This was its finale season. Mm-hmm. And I thought it worked well for a finale season. Um, it had some great moments with Elijah. It had some pretty good moments with the. Re- I, I felt like it did. It, it it did what it needed to do to say goodbye. I thought the final episode, and also it did the thing where a lot of shows do there, where like the last three episodes is kind of like a choose your own adventure finale. Okay. Do you want one where the girls have like one last kind of like thing? Do you want like a more realistic thing of what would happen with uh, Hannah if she got pregnant? And like you can kind of like choose in your mind which is the definitive finale that feels like a train wreck there is a really funny moment where marnie's allison williams boyfriend uh who plays microchip on the punisher the punisher's uh sidekick uh is like like goes through drug withdrawal while marnie and hannah are on some up upstate new york retreat in a cabin and they film him trying to get back inside to his drug stash like it's a zombie film and it was it was it was pretty good but hmm. i don't know like this this show this show's a fucking tr- my Cecily and i watch it like we would watch react like like fucking the jersey shore right and yeah yeah so i feel like whatever girls had to say they said in the first couple of seasons yeah and it's kind of just been more of that yeah <laughs> since then yeah, um, love is interesting because love stars. Oh, uh, Gillian Jacobs or is she Gillian? It's Gillian Jacobs, the the Brita from Community. Okay, yeah, and she is a woman who is trying to, in a, a deliberate way, get her shit together regarding sobriety and mm-hmm. her romance and her work life straight. And this kind of nebbish guy that she sort of falls in love with, but the, at the climax of last season, she's like, "Look, if I, wa- I I really like you, but if we're going to work together, I need time to get my shit straight." And season two opens with him essentially not letting her do that, and then it's it's really I mean I think it's great I think I think dudes dudes and women need to see this show to see like an outside view of how you can fuck up good shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it's very, very funny, and it's very, very like real. Uh, and I, I enjoy the hell of it. I can't, I can't wait till season three comes back, which shouldn't be too much longer. So I feel like it should go pretty close to the top. Now, goddamn, I feel like I'm just wait. I, I think just, you moved just the wrong one. Did girls instead of love. Uh, and girls just got erased. From, oh my god, copy and paste gone amok. <sighs> okay, so. I actually think we have a pretty good top ten here. I'm okay. To think, I'm trying to think. Mystery Science Theater is the line. Glow is below that. We'd established. Girls is below that. And Breaking. I'm not interested in ranking ten through seventeen. 
that looks pretty good. Um, do you think Mystery Science Theater is better than? Well, you don't. I haven't know. seen any of it. Yeah, I don't think it's better than Last Week Tonight. Uh, do I think Last Week Tonight is better than BoJack Horseman? No. Do I think American Vandal is better than BoJack Horseman? Hmm. This is so fucking tough. <laughs> right. This is so tough. Because they're all different kinds of shows, you know? I know. And, like, Tour de Pharmacy is a one-shot versus a 10-episode season of Rick and Morty of 30-minute episodes. Um, man. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad I have nothing to do with this category. Okay. I think Bojack, I, I want to put Bojack way at the top. I want to put Rick okay. and Morty way at the top. Maybe, okay, let me, let's like, so you and I have both seen all of Rick and Morty. Yeah. Where does season three stack up to you for Rick and Morty? And I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm struggling to remember. I, I think I felt better about the season at the end of season two than I did at the end of season three. I kind of think you're right. Um, but not much. It's not like a huge difference. And I would like to be recognized on the podcast as an expert on about uh, on Rick and Morty and Dan Harmon in general because uh, God, I would hope so at this point. My wife and I, in the lead up to season three, she bought me the DVDs or the Blu-rays for my birthday, and we watched all the commentaries. We we watched every episode of Rick and Morty like probably five to six times. Uh, you know, I, I listened to all of Harmontown, like all 266 episodes of Harmontown. I watched the documentary. I watched all of Community. Uh, I fucking watched Monster House because Dan Harmon got a got a writing credit with Rob Schraub on there. Hmm. Um, but I, I do think that season two is peak Rick and Morty. Season three is not bad. It's got a lot of good stuff. It I mean, does. You know, like you is- really like the the. The Morty episode where, like, you find out that Rick's been wiping mm-hmm. traumatic memories of Morty, and, and Rick defines traumatic as and some... he finds the stash. He finds the stash and starts binging on memories that are not just traumatic, which are, there's some fucked up shit in there, but also just any time that Rick is seen as wrong. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a funny episode. I mean, there's... there's I, thought I mean, it that, had Pickle Rick in it, which was a lot of people's favorites. Pickle Rick was a lot of fun. Um... Uh, and and actually was the one I think that started to deflate the Rick. Like if you uh, if you admire uh, Rick and you yeah. think Rick is like some sort of god, um, it's the first one to kind of like in a clear sober eyed look uh, show an outsider's perspective on Rick and mm-hmm. his dysfunction with his family. Um, I really like the did they or d- didn't they re- uh, on the question of replacing um, Beth with a <sighs> replicant. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I really like the final battle that he has between the American, the the United States, the 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 the, the president of the United States. Yeah, uh, the stalemate that they eventually come to. Yeah, yeah. yeah then their their big their big battle uh, over him just wa- like Morty getting a selfie with him. Uh, um, I yeah, it's it, there's really good shit, but not. I, I I can't think if there's anything as good as like. Um, you know him going inside and kicking Stephen Colbert's ass in a miniature, like in a, in a miniature universe. He's created to power his ship, and there's not as many alter, like crazy interdimensional shit. And although, although the, the Battle of the Ricks the, stuff pays the, off pretty well, yeah, this season. the Citadel, the look inside yeah. the Citadel, um, where you see the evil, like evil Morty's like taking it over, and the simple Rick candy line, and 
There yeah, is some pretty no, good stuff that, there. That was a really good at those cookies. Yeah. Um, but so you, so you like the the um, the the Morty the Morty memory episode, which mm-hmm. was the uh, which what they said was the replacement for the interdimensional cable. Yeah. I miss interdimensional cable because there wasn't anything that just unfettered insane. Right. Where they don't have to do anything. It's just it's just Justin Roiland acting like a complete insane person and animators desperately mm-hmm. trying to animate what he's saying in the booth. I guess I felt like this tied more into the story. Um, and, and that's uh, not necessarily fair because I know they do some interesting things with the characters in the interdimensional cable episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, something about like that, that kind of discovery of a new wrinkle in their relationship between Rick and Morty really did it for me yeah. in that episode. Also, I really didn't like... Beth getting back together with Jerry, but since it's an open question whether that's actually Beth, <laughs> uh-huh. I can't... Like, that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of things I want to criticize, but it might be. I just don't have enough information. It's more clever than I'm giving it. Um, but I do feel like it, uh, we're on the same board that it's not the best Rick and Morty. It's real close, though. Um, I, I, I did like this season a lot. I think Always Sunny is better than Tour on balance because there's more of it, and it's a higher degree of excellence, and it's also returned to form. And also, they're shaking things up. Glenn Howerton's... <laughs> At least for one season, I think leaving the show, and yeah. they say goodbye to uh, to the Golden God. Uh, they say say goodbye to Dennis uh, at the end, and that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I think this is a pretty good top five: Lady Dynamite, BoJack Horseman, Rick and Morty. BoJack, by the way, is just a really great look at Hollywood. They give BoJack a daughter character, uh, a man who has no business being a daughter, and delve in a lot of history with his mother and how she got to be as fucked up as she that's what's great about it is a lot of these shows when you have a difficult mother and a and a, and and you're dealing with a main character who's the, their offspring want to force that offspring into reconciling with the parent mm-hmm. and as a as an offspring that has a as a rocky relationship with his mother um I hate that because sometimes it's like well no, the best thing you can do is to cut them out of your life. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that they gave additional insight into his mother, but they never ask you to feel sorry for her because of it. I mean, or you can pity her, but it doesn't excuse her behavior. Sure. Like, yeah. I see how she came by this honestly, but I also know it's 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 possible to do better than she's doing. Mm-hmm. And anytime you can deal with like such difficult subjects like that and also be fucking hilarious... Um, it's 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 a great show. It's it's a show where the main character is a as a hominid horse, and that's it. They 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 continue to mine humor out of the fact that these are anthrop- anthropomorphic animals, but it's not a planet full of them. They're still regular humans, and there's a woman living with a dog man, and a cat living with a mouse man, and uh, it, it's it's a crazy ass show, and it defies description. But everyone should try it. I think. Um, I feel like we're missing the boat on American Vandal. Because oh you're right I enjoyed right. American Vandal more than oversight. Tour de Pharmacy yeah it's an oversight um, let me ask you this do you think it's better because I don't think Rick and Morty is better than BoJack or Lady Dynamite Lady Dynamite is the funniest thing I saw like I pissed myself laughing and it continues to say a lot of interesting things about mental illness and mm-hmm. it also delved into her midwestern upbringing which as a of also Midwestern upbringing of a person like I identified with. Yeah. Do you think it's better than Rick and Morty? No. I don't think it's as complex and interesting as Rick and Morty. But I would put it there. 
All right, but I, I haven't I, seen Always Sunny, so I agree. I agree because America, like Always Sunny, was good, but it's it's good in the way Always Sunny is. American well, Band right, is good in a very fresh and interesting way. Should Some of this suffers from not being fresh. Like last week tonight, we gave when that came out when that mm-hmm. debuted, we gave it number one slot. I think right. in comedies because of how fresh and unique the format was. Well, the other thing is I'm becoming aware, like so. Malcolm Gladwell in Revisionist History podcast did something this season where he looked at parodies on uh, like comedy and its impact on politics. Mm-hmm. And there's study after study that shows that none of this shit does anything. Huh. Like like okay. it not only does it just reinforce the thoughts that you might already have like say that you hate Donald Trump and you love Saturday Night Live and it reinforces your uh, your your attitude that he is a uh, is has no business being the president of the United States. It also has the same effect on people that like Donald Trump because making someone a comedic character necessarily makes them more likable. And they showed how, like, it, like audience reaction to Sarah Palin. Mm-hmm. Liberals loved uh, Tina Fey's uh, Sarah Palin on Saturday Night Live, and conservatives loved Tina Fey's performance of her and also they they, then they do they have like Sarah Palin on with Tina Fey doing each other and it's like this big love fest like what the fuck are you doing and they they open they contrast this with this 80s phenomenon this 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 character in the UK during the Margaret Thatcher like Ronald Reagan era um I forget his life his name was loads of money and it was a it was a stereotype of this um kind of novu novu rich you know, like capitalist dirtbag that actually normalized those politics in the UK. And he made a strong argument that none of this, this is actually like, it's no substitute for actually educating people and getting them to think about politics and civics. Mm. It kind of like has taken my enjoyment of a lot of stuff down a peg Hmm. because yeah, yeah, I'm learning stuff and, and I feel like this is doing the right thing, but who gives a shit, you know? Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's, that's why I feel like last week has kind of fallen off for me. Have we talked about? I don't think we've actually talked about American Vandal. Oh, we did in the subcategories. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if, in case you never drill down to the subcategories, American Vandal is a look at true crime podcast and miniseries. I'm thinking the Jinx. I'm thinking Making a Murder. I'm thinking Serial. Mm-hmm. And it sees it as uh, it, it casts uh, this earnest journalist at a high school in the Sarah Koenig role mm-hmm. as he investigates the scandal of who spray-painted 23 dicks on the teacher's car one afternoon after school. Yeah. And, and, the, and the school clown gets, gets railroaded and expelled, and this guy tries to figure out and get, you know... It, it, like I said, it, it's funny, I think, if you haven't seen it, but if you've seen all the stuff it's based on, it's hilarious. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I feel I feel pretty good about that top five. It's it's too bad Tour de Pharmacy didn't make the cut, but hell, you can watch it in what an hour. Yeah, on HBO if you if you if you want it and judge for yourself. <sighs> okay, uh, we will. I think we should take a break here. I need to I need to reload. I need to unload and reload some drinks and uh, byproducts that my body has created, and have a break here, and then we'll we'll get back to deliberations in a bit. Okay. 